last night, uh, myself, Joseph, and Zach were watching TV. I was flipping through the channels. I was playing with my dog, and uh, as we, as I saw saw something that popped up on the TV that I hadn't seen in a while it was the Rugrats. Um, Nickelodeon, very popular cartoon. Uh, when I was growing up in the '90s, it was great. Um, when I clicked on it just to see what, like on the guide, just to see what the what the episode was, um, I was overjoyed, and Zach and Joseph had a very good laugh at me. Because the episode was about the Passover. Now, if you don't know this, uh, the Pickles, the family in the Rugrats, uh, they're Jewish, um, and they have a they have a old Jewish grandpa and old Jewish grandma who are from the old country and talk like this, and it's very very funny. It's a very colorful and colorful show. But one thing that the Rugrats did that I really appreciated appreciate now especially, but didn't back then was they showed the background and the meaning behind their holidays. They showed the background of Hanukkah. Now, it wasn't the meaning of Hanukkah, but it was the meaning of Hanukkah because that's the kind of stuff the Rugrats did. But in this one, it was a story of the Passover. And I was I confessed to, to Zach, especially when we were watching this, that I said, dude, I am so excited right now because legitimately, when I was in scripture class in the seminary, I would think of Angelica as the Pharaoh, or I would think of Moses being Tommy Pickles, um, or like that was the way that my mind always imagined the images of the Exodus. I, I you know, I, I don't know why, but... I have to believe that part of that was because when I was a kid watching this, six, seven, eight years old, uh, 18, 20, 30 years old now, um, when I was watching this show, though, there was something in me as a young as a young person that recognized that this story, this cartoon, was part of our story. You know, I went to I went to Catholic school and I had heard about Moses and I heard about the burning bush and the plagues, and the Red Sea, and all the images of the Exodus. So I knew that there was this was part of our story. And I think since then, I've always remembered that the Exodus, that the story of Moses and Pharaoh, is part of the story that we have as Catholics. Today our first reading talks about that story. It breaks open some of that story. The teachings and the guidelines that go into that story. This is the laws that would come up later on that, that Moses would have of how the, how the people were supposed to commemorate that story, the, the first Passover. The fact that God passed over from, from family to family, sparing the firstborn of all of the people, of all of the animals in the homes of those who had sacrificed a lamb to him. Today we come to enter into the commemoration of our story. In the same way that our Jewish brothers and sisters at this time of year are praying their Seder meals and they're commemorating, it gives us a chance to commemorate part of our story. And Jesus, when he was together with his disciples, was celebrating a Passover meal. He was celebrating a Seder-type meal. What does that mean for us? You know, as we come to, to celebrate this, when we don't know the history, we don't know the background to our story, it's kind of like showing up into a movie midway through. 
You don't know who the protagonist is. You don't know what the conflict is. You don't know how it's supposed to be resolved. And you might see a hero, but I'm sure there's complexities that we're missing. You see, in the Exodus, in that first Exodus, when Moses demands that his people be let go, whether that be Charlton Heston or Tommy Pickles, right? He goes to Pharaoh and says uh, to bring us out of slavery. That there would be plagues that would plague all of Egypt. That the Jews, that the Israelites wanted to just go and to celebrate their feast, their celebrations. They wanted to worship their God the way they were called to. Well, in the Exodus... We hear about the plagues hit, the Pharaoh gets worn out with them and, and sends them away, has a change of heart, chases after them, and the Red Sea opens for the Israelites and closes on the Egyptians. To commemorate this miracle of God escorting the Israelites out of slavery, of bringing them out of slavery through the waters of the Red Sea, they instituted the Feast of Passover, where every family would procure a lamb. And this lamb had to be young, a year old, it had to be male, and it had to be without blemish. They would bring the lamb to the temple, or to the tabernacle or the temple, to the hands of the priest. The priest would then offer the sacrifice and give them the lamb back so that they could feast on it. They were good Cajuns. That by the hands of the priests, the, the meat was sacrificed to God. The blood of the lamb was poured out. And then they would go and feast. Fast forward centuries. And we see Jesus celebrating this meal. Jesus who has been called the Lamb of God. Jesus who is without blemish. Jesus who is a male. Jesus being the symbolic lamb that fulfills all the sacrifices of the lambs from, that, from the point of Moses to, 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 the, turn of the, to the entrance into uh, the, the end of B.C., right? That all Jewish worship, worship was leading up to the Lamb of God who would not just take away the sins of the family or not just take away the sins of the, per the sins of the person, but instead would take away the sins of the world. These are the words that we celebrate every Mass. These are the words that we, as Christians, we take hope in, is that by the blood of the Lamb that will be sacrificed tomorrow, that by that blood we are saved. Not by, not by a, barn, a barnyard animal. See, this is our story. The background of the Exodus, the new Exodus and the new covenant being established and ratified by Jesus, all the way to today, where there was two times of atonement that really happened. One was the Passover, the other was Yom Kippur. In Yom Kippur, there was a goat that would be procured in, the Jewish, in, the Jewish, um, in Jewish worship. When this goat would be, be brought forth, their hand, they would lay hands in representative of this is going to die for the sake of the people. And then one of the goats would be killed in the, uh, in the temple. Another goat would be led out into the wilderness and would find its demise. Today, we have a moment in our church where hands are laid 
hands are laid on every priest at the day of their ordination, that this one will be consecrated to be an, an agent of mercy, an agent of God's forgiveness, but it will require them to lay down their life. If you've never been to an ordination, if you've never seen um, the, the festivities and the, and, the, and the ritual around such an event, one of the most touching moments that most people have when they first go is there a moment where the man lays prostrate on the ground. The priest, the man to be ordained, lays prostrate face down on the marble. And when he's laying down in the background, the church is singing the litany of saints, seeking and asking the saints in heaven to pray for this man, to pray for this man who is going to be a priest, who is going to be on the front lines in the battle against Satan, in the battle against evil. The man stands up, hands are laid, a prayer is prayed, and he is now a priest. This happened to me, this happened to Father Noah's, this happened to every priest in our diocese and in our world. You see, we continue by, by our ordination, by virtue of our ordination, we continue the sacrifice that started with lambs and barnyard animals in the temple. We continue the sacrifice of Jesus Christ where his sacrifice becomes my sacrifice and mine his. That when we stand at the altar, we become another Christ. Altar Christus. We become another Christ, not saying this is Jesus' body laid down for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But we say this is my body laid down for you. You see, we as priests are called at every moment to lay down our life. We as priests are called at every moment for the sake of the community that we serve, for the sake of the church that we love, for the sake of the God who has called us, that we are called to lay down our life where it's not about me, but it's about the faithful. That's why when we say those words, when we come to communion, when we celebrate Mass, it is the peak of what it means to be a priest. Because at every Mass, we're attached to Jesus, the High Priest. Jesus, the, the fulfillment of priesthood. Jesus, the one who first laid down his life in a very, very profound and beautiful way. We echo his words. We echo his message of hope. We echo by our life what it is that Jesus proclaimed by his death. We're called... Like my job, my job description is the crucifix. My job description is found in every crucifix. That as a priest, I'm called to offer sacrifice on the sake of another, for the sake of another. I'm called to look and be like Jesus in everything I do. Will I fall short? Absolutely. <laughs> and if you haven't noticed that, you will. But my job is to look like Jesus, to be a person laid down like him, broken, beaten, and dead. That our job as priests are to break open our life for the people of God, to be at their service. And today in our gospel, we hear about such a beautiful image of what service looks like, where Jesus Christ himself, the pinnacle of priesthood, God-made man, the second person of the Trinity, the, the, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament, 
the fulfillment and, and of the Exodus, like the promised one, the Messiah, gets down on his knees and does the work of a slave. It was a, uh, a priest friend of mine that shared a story. He said there was a there was painting that had to be done at a parish, and uh, he the priest he was on a summer assignment at the time. He was still a seminarian, and he said he went into the to the house and asked the priest, uh, "Who's going to do the painting?" And he said, "Well, we are." Well, what do you mean we are? He said, "Get some old clothes on and let's go." It may not be the big, beautiful mass with hundreds of people and the best vestments and all the, the, the perfect music and the perfect everything around it. It may not be the glory moment of being able to brag about I did this or I did that or I preached a homily that, was, that made everybody in the room cry. Most of what priesthood is, is being Jesus and being willing to serve like he did today in the small things. In the hidden things, in the small ways of living and, and, and breathing and acting like our Lord. Just a personal note. Today is supposed to be, today is the, the, the celebration of the priesthood, the gift of the priesthood. Today is the celebration of the gift of the Eucharist. And, and it, there's, a, there's a hurt because we can't all be together. Because those two things draw us in as one. That the Eucharist, the one bread broken up, is given to all of us. And we're drawn into unity in its one, in its oneness. That all of us, by virtue of our baptism, have been given a call to be a priest. Maybe not behind an altar, like myself, Father Noah, and the other men in our diocese. But all of us are called to offer sacrifice, to offer spiritual sacrifice for the sake of another. Whether that be cleaning up, cleaning up a house for the third time after your four kids have destroyed it. Whether that be uh, working, at a, working at your trade and just sharing what you can because there's, there's nothing else you can offer at this time. All of us are called to be priests, are called to offer spiritual sacrifice. And this is the way that we're called to enter into this Easter triduum. Today, the end, of our, the end of our celebration, we will not have a closing prayer, a prayer after communion. We will not have a final blessing. Or we will have a prayer after communion. We will not have a, a final blessing. And we will not have a final hymn. Because when we process out, some theologians would say that the Easter Triduum, these three days, the, the liturgies flow into and out of each other. All of our priestly, all of our priestly identity here on, on, that we celebrate on Holy Thursday comes to its fulfillment tomorrow. Sometimes it's easy to kind of romanticize the idea of sacrificing something or giving something up. But there's a reality of suffering that, that it entails. There's a reality of suffering that it follows. It may be, sometimes suffering can look like the Rugrats, when in reality, it's something, something very real and very close to us. Something that hurts, something that's heavy, it's a burden. Holy Thursday, without Good Friday, is sterile. 
but Good Friday without Easter Sunday is hopeless. So today, as we continue into this story that is ours, whether you think Charlton Heston or Tommy Pickles, whether when you pray and think of the Exodus, it's let my, let my people go or let my babies go, as Tommy said in Rugrats. However it is that we, that we recognize the history and the background of our story, today God is still continuing to want to write it in our hearts. God continues to want to write our story. He continues through this Easter Triduum of wanting to use the story of our faith to bring us back to life, to enliven our faith so that it's bold enough for us to live, and that we can bring it back into our families, back into our workplaces, and ultimately back into the church when we come to celebrate together.